Welcome to the Writing to Get Business podcast, where you'll get tips to expand your writing skills. Every week, you'll hear tips and strategies to support your writing. Pat Iyer is your show hostess, a ghostwriter, editor, and author who has written 48 books. Sit back, relax, and listen. Here's your hostess, Pat Iyer. This is Pat Iyer with Writing to Get Business, and I have with me a woman named Eileen Dillon, who has a master's in social work and provides psychotherapy. We were introduced by another guest who I had on Writing to Get Business, and she recommended that I interview Eileen about her book or books, and we'll find out more about that in just a few moments. Eileen, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Pat. It's great to be here. We were just joking before we started on the show that I would introduce her as the wandering psychotherapist because part of Eileen's lifestyle prior to COVID was to live in an RV, but her wheels were parked for the last year and she's now getting ready to take off again. Yes, I I can barely wait. Well, let's tell our listener or our viewer about how you got interested in writing your first book. Well, apparently I was interested in writing since I was 16. My sister asked me what I was going to do with my life. And I said, I'm going to write. And she said, what about? And I said, life, but I have to live some of it first. So living some of it has involved being a psychotherapist for now 50 years. And uh, I got, I've written and published one book. I've been part of three other collaborative books. And now I'm uh, self-publishing the book, uh, which is entitled A Way Out, End Manipulation, Stop Being Jerked Around by uh, Toxic Energy Draining People. And I got interested in writing it because of... Um, I grew up in the 1950s and I looked around me and all the women and girls that I saw were manipulative and I didn't like it. I now know that if you don't have power, uh, you tend to fall into manipulation. So I have more uh, sympathy, more empathy for people at that time. But I decided I'm not going to be manipulative. No way. And then in my 20s, uh, 19, I got married and the marriage ended when I was 28. And uh, I I began to realize that my husband had used me. He had manipulated me and Mm -hmm. I got angry about it. And I thought to myself, I really have to understand about manipulation because I never want to be in this situation again. And I had a number of questions I wanted to ask. But I had just gotten my uh, license as a marriage and family therapist. And so I thought, well, I'll talk with clients that come in and find out how manipulation operates in their lives. And after about six months of doing that, I came up with what I now call the uh, first law of manipulation, which is it takes one to know one. (laughs) So I was rather horrified. I was horrified to think that I was manipulative. And I spent some time looking, what in the world was my manipulation? 
And what I found was that I had a deep-seated belief that I was not lovable. And here was this man who not only told me he loved me, but he demonstrated it by marrying me. And that was my manipulation. That's, that's how I used his energy to help me feel okay. You know, that is such an important subject. Uh, I had a call not long ago with a man who told me that he developed a fine art in learning how to manipulate women. So he could get money, he could get sex. He said that he wrote down the things that they said so he could study them and then parrot them back. And somewhere along the line, uh, he had an experience of meeting one of these women he had used and discarded in a store. And she looked at him and started crying. And he suddenly saw that there was a cost associated with his behavior. And then he went into therapy and now he wants to write a book about manipulation. So this is a subject I've just talked with another person about recently. And I would think from your role as a being on the other end of treating people who are so who have a variety of social, mental, emotional problems that you must see this behavior in some of the patients that you've treated as well. Well, I actually, a part of my book, uh, it, a big thrust of it is that over the time of studying manipulation, Pat, I've come to the conclusion that we human beings are designed to outgrow manipulation. And one of the things I've been saying lately is most people have not received the memo mm. because most of us do manipulate. And the thrust of my book is to help people understand what manipulation is all about and then move into eliminating it from their adult lives. We are meant to outgrow manipulation by the time we're adults. And let me define what I'm talking about with manipulation, because there are three things. Uh, one is codependence. One is psychological manipulation, and the other is something I've learned to call energy sapping or energy draining. They, to me, are all the same. And they're not a mental illness. There's nothing wrong with people doing this, uh, but it's a relationship issue. And in a relationship, one person uses the energy of another person to help them feel and stay safe to get what they think they believe they need. Now, the interesting thing is that because of the, it takes one to know one, sometimes I would be the perpetrator and sometimes I would be the victim. We tend to trade these roles back and forth. Mm -hmm. um, the man that you described, he obviously set about to do it deliberately. Uh, and so he was, focused on being a perpetrator. But like me, uh, not knowing that I was uh, manipulating my husband to, to give me the message that I, I needed to know I was lovable. And he did that for me for many years. Some, many of us are manipulating and we're not even aware of it. Um, and so in the book, I, I'm addressing a number of questions, right? The questions that I had when I first started looking at manipulation, such as, uh, when does it start? 
why do we do it? Um, and let me just address, it starts, uh, let me just say, uh, give a few answers here. It starts when we're born. Everybody is born manipulative. And the reason for that is because we all arrive here in, in little bodies and undeveloped, underdeveloped brains, which means we can't function fully in the world. And so we need what I call an agent. We need somebody who will give us food, make us comfortable, keep us safe, keep us clean, change our diapers, that sort of thing. And as parents, we make an agreement that we'll do that. We know that that's part of the deal. So we agree to let children, new arrivals to the planet use our energy. Um, but then even at age two, children start giving us the, the uh, message that they're ready to outgrow it. A two-year-old says, me do it myself, right? They start wanting to put their own energy through themselves instead of through their agent to be effective in the world. And um, two-year-olds can't really do it, but by the time you're three or four, you can get your own glass of water and pull the blanket up over you and get something out of the refrigerator or ask for what you want. So it's at the age of three and four where we need to start weaning ourselves from manipulation. And there are three reasons that we need help from parents. Uh, and there are three reasons we don't get it. One is that parents don't know they need to help their children with this issue. Two is that they think it's too much to have a child take responsibility for themselves. But three, and most impactful, is the parents themselves have not yet weaned themselves from manipulation, and which means that they're afraid of being alone, which means that they don't want to help their children separate from themselves. It might not be conscious, but it's that's part of it. So I wanted to know how this was done, what if there was something that could be done about it, why human beings manipulate, and that's the stuff of my book. Um, and whether we can stop other people from manipulating us, and you may be interested to know we also manipulate ourselves by, uh, you know, not listening to what we really want, to who we really are. We make ourselves do things. Uh, and uh, so, you know, we can stop it and we can end it. And so my book is tells the answers to all these questions and includes what it would, what it takes to end manipulation. And the good news for me is that I have been able to end manipulation in my own life. And I have helped a whole lot of other people to end it in their life. So I know it's possible. Mm -hmm. Let's back up to, to talk about the first book. You told me that you had written a book and then contributed to three compilation books. Some people describe the hardest process of going from having never written a book to getting the first one done. What was that experience like for you? Actually, it was pretty easy. I'm, I'm just pulling them out. So I can show you. The first one is Emotions in Motion, Mastering Life's Built-In Navigation System. And then the two 
two of the uh, collaborative books, one's, uh, two of them are on happiness. This is a happiness one. It's with the Wellness Universe, the Wellness mm -hmm. Universe Guide to Self-Care. This one is self-care and this one is happiness. Uh -huh. So the first book um, was easy to write. Uh, I, as you pointed out, I've been living in my RV for um, three or three and a half years before I came, before I stopped and COVIDed in place, which is what I call it. Mm. And I was in a campground in Arizona uh, during the winter, and it was pouring rain all week long. So there wasn't anything else to do. I wrote 175 pages of my book during that week. Nice. It just poured out of me. Yeah. Now, the idea is that I'm writing about things I've been talking with people about or teaching or doing seminars or whatever for 35, 40, 50 years, right? So I already have a, somebody asked me about this recently. I already have a sense of the, uh, the way that I want to lay the material out because mm -hmm. I've already done it, you know, in classes and so forth, like the manipulation. We start out with, you know, why do people manipulate? When does it start? Uh, when, when do people start thinking they want not to manipulate? And uh, what are the characteristics of people who manipulate? How do people manipulate? How do you tell when you're being manipulated? All those things. There's a just a, a sequence that I've been teaching for many years. I also was a secretary for a number of years. I type 120 words a minute and I have this fabulous experience. Uh, the old linotype machines, you can see them in the old movies where somebody's setting type for a newspaper or something That's and a letter comes along and drops into a slot. Well, words do that when I'm writing. So mm -hmm. I can write as fast as I can uh, type, you know, it, it all works together. That wasn't always the case. I had a terrible time writing when I first started out because I grew up in a very um, uh, critical household and I was terrified to put my words on paper because I might be criticized. And mm. I had, and I worked on that. I discovered that if I just put what was in my head on paper and then put it away and didn't ask myself to show it to anybody, I just got it out of me that it started the flow up. And when I went six or seven months later and looked at what I'd written, it looked a lot better to me than at the time that I wrote it when I was mm -hmm. doing the traditional, you know, read the two paragraphs you just wrote and wad the paper up and throw it away. Right. Once that content comes pouring out of you, what is your process for the editing and the shaping of the material? Well, um, I, I have a number of books in me, so I, I didn't do it with the first one. With the, fir the first one was uh, the one that I needed to learn from. So I have a friend who <clears throat> is in the editing and publication mm -hmm. business, and she worked with me. Um, and, uh, but then since I have so many others, I thought, wouldn't it be a great idea if I know how to do this myself? Mm -hmm. So I've enrolled in self-publishing school, and that's what I'm doing with my second one. 
And they're really wonderful. They have vetted editors and uh, cover designers and all kinds of people set up uh, that you, you know, of course it does cost money to do it. Um, uh, but they're all there and they're a wonderful uh, resource. And I've just been able to make contact with them. They do the editing. Uh, they tell me how long it's going to take. Um, I write the copy for the back of cover. And one of the big things, of course, for selling your book, which I'm learning about because I'm not a native marketer, is to come up with keywords to really describe what's going on with your mm -hmm. book. And there's a wonderful program called Publisher Rocket that helps with that. Yes, you know, I have seen that. And uh, it looks like an intriguing program. It really is. And David, Dave Chesson is the man who developed mm -hmm. it. He kind of reverse engineered to uh, Amazon to find out how they actually use their algorithms to sell books. And that's what he's built in to that program. Mm -hmm. So um, it's been really wonderful because I get uh, three times a week, I can get to go into a group and get support. I can get feedback. I can find people who want to help um, publish the book uh, to be on my launch team. It's been, and hopefully all I will need to do now is rinse and repeat because I do have my next book is uh, Turning Anger into Enthusiasm. Mm. I am a recovered angry person. I was going to ask. <laughs> we know that you have a history with manipulation. Now we're finding out you have a history with anger, as many of us do. Yes. Well, anger was what got me into the whole issue of emotions. Um, I was just consumed with it. Whenever you hold an, uh, an emotion inside of you, it builds, it grows. And so I had held on to it my entire childhood. And when my husband left, and he left me with a 10-month-old daughter that we had consciously conceived together, boy, did that anger explode. Mm -hmm. And it was coming out all over my little child. And so I desperately sought to uh, find out what I could do about anger. And I went to university libraries, whatever. I could not find, no, even therapists didn't work with anger on a standalone basis. I couldn't find answers to my questions. So I, like I did with manipulation, I researched it myself. And I've had the good fortune to come up with an understanding of why we have emotions and how we can work with them. They, they really are a gift to help us navigate our lives. I can think of patients that I took care of in the hospital as a nurse whose illnesses seem to have a direct connection to anger, uh, I'm thinking of stomach ulcers immediately comes to mind. Uh, and cancer too. Yes, yes. Uh, like literally turning your body against itself by all those emotions. Yes, which is what tickles me so much that I'm now 78 years old. I had so much anger and I was able to handle it well enough that I haven't died of some terrible disease in the meantime, and I've got good health and I'm going uh, forward. Um, and I'm so excited, you know, I've, through this whole process, I've learned, one of the big things I learned is that our, 
our earth is a big giant school and we've all come here to learn and grow. So whatever happened in my life was opportunity for me to learn and grow. And what I'm excited about is that I did that learning and growing. It does work. I've been able to teach it to other people. And the writing that I'm doing now is to spread it. And I'm also working now on doing a TEDx talk on manipulation as well. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I'm just so excited. We're just going for it. <laughs> what we haven't covered so far is, although you held up the books on the, the self-care, is how you got involved in contributing chapters and what that experience was like. Well, I uh, think that a lot of people are doing collaborative books right now. Mm -hmm. I'm getting lots of opportunities. I did it once before and I don't have that book with me, but um, I'm a member of the Wellness Universe, which this is done by. It's a, a group of close to 7,000 people worldwide who are focused on bringing wellness in various ways, whether it's spiritual wellness or physical wellness or emotional wellness. Um, uh, the, the, we're doing the third book in this series now, and one of the authors is writing about Kung Fu as a, uh, as a way to help you heal, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so um, they came up, uh, Anna Pereira, the woman who runs, she's, her name's on the book. Uh, there's her pretty little picture back there. She's a beautiful yes. woman. Um, so they came up with this idea and they offered us the opportunity. Now, I was a member, I, I've been a professional speaker since 1984, and I was a member of the National Speakers Association chapter in San Francisco when Jack Canfield uh, came out with Chicken Soup for the Soul. And all of us in the chapter were invited to write for Chicken Soup for the Soul, and I was too busy. I was a single parent. I was running my psychotherapy business, and I didn't do it. Boy, did I miss an opportunity. So when this one came along, I said, yes, I'm in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mark Victor Hansen, that was the other person, uh, and Jeff yes. Canfield. And how we connect is that next week, Mark Victor Hansen will be speaking to the National Speakers Association Authors Group, which I co-host Wow. We'll be talking about monetizing your book, which he did very successfully, we might add. I and remember that, taking a workshop from him one time about after the chicken soup series uh -huh. started coming out. And the thing he said is there's no point in writing a book unless you intend to make at least a million dollars. I think he's made at least a million dollars on those books, all of the multiple, 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 multiple books as part of that theme. Yes, yes. And then I was talking today earlier with a man who is working with Mark to develop an app that focuses on achieving your goals. So this is now the second time today that his name has come up uh, for me. And our next volume of this series is on achievement. And I'll be writing about procrastination. Oh, one of the evils of our personalities that can keep us from achieving our goals. It can, but it's pretty simple to solve, to resolve, I think. And you'll have to read her chapter to find out how she does it. 
<laughs> the chapter in this book is called The Dalai Lama's Smile. Uh-huh. It's about the Dalai Lama, you know, was displaced and lived in a, he had no country. And yet every time you see him or you see a picture of him, he's smiling. Uh-huh. And I learned a lot from him. Uh-huh. That smile. It, well, it sounds to me like you have at least one more book in you. Do you have any additional ones after addressing anger? Oh, yes. Well, um, when my when my marriage broke up and I had this child that I talked about earlier, I ended up um, sitting down with myself and saying, what's important in raising a child? And it turned out that I created a new way or a evolved way of parenting children that I call conscious parenting. So I have uh, a book on that. I have uh, guilt is an emotion that actually is not a real emotion. And so I have a book that I'll be writing on guilt and remorse. Remorse is the real emotion and guilt is the synthetic one. Um, I have, I mean, you named the emotion. I've got a book for it. <laughs> I like your spirit. Thank you. Thank you. Do you Go ahead. Do you have any advice or suggestions for somebody who's listened to this, who is wondering, you know, is it worth the effort to put together a book? What has that done for you in terms of accomplishing all of these books and yet more that are still tucked away, ready to be revealed? Right. Well, I think everybody is motivated differently about writing. I I know a man named Tom Bird who believes he teaches writing and he believes that everybody has a book in them. And it's about sharing, uh, sharing your life, sharing yourself, sharing your interests that could help other people. It's a, a way for us to help other people. And, um, it also helps me because I'm able to get that information out and share it. The thing that most people don't seem to realize is that you don't really get rich off of a book unless you're Mark Victor Hansen, of course. Most people don't get rich off of a book. What it does is open up Like I said, I'll be doing a TEDx talk. Uh, I'm teaching classes based on my books, um, Emotional Mastery, for example, or um, Anger Mastery. So it opens the door for you. And it also gives people a way to, uh, it gives you the opportunity to spread your message even further. Mm-hmm. And the internet does a good job, but you can, you know, add a book to it and you go even further mm-hmm. and it's more lasting, likely more lasting. It certainly is more lasting. Uh, I talk to people about the, the phrase, the book is the business card on steroids. You throw out the business card, but you don't throw out that book that Eileen wrote that you want to read, that you underlined and and uh, put post-it notes on and return to for fresh insights that brings so much more credibility and authority to to you than having a business card that's sitting somewhere in a box or a drawer never to be looked at again right and in this book one of the things that i i included i i was inspired to put a section in at the end of each chapter uh my personal laboratory if the, if the world is a big giant school, 
then uh, my life is my laboratory and your life is yours. So I give a story from my life and what I learned from it uh, through emotion. And then I ask, uh, have a section following that, your personal laboratory, and I ask questions that guide the reader to explore the same area. Mm -hmm. I really love that. I, that was one of my, I was so glad that <laughs> I was inspired to do that. Mm -hmm. Yes, there are people who do end chapters with questions, but I have not heard anyone talk about the lab aspect of that, of sharing your story and then encouraging them to think about what is their story related to the point of that chapter. Right, and I share my personal life and uh, my readers can see that my life has not at all been you know, perfect as nobody's life is perfect. And how I learned from some of the experiences that helped me move on. I think that's the real value of that. Mm -hmm. I know that people who are watching this are going to want to get a copy of your book that's coming out, as well as the first book that you wrote that you just had in your hands. What's right. the best way for them to be able to track down what you've written? Well, I have a website. It's emotionalmasteryforlife.com. Um, all spelled, you know, all together. It's all spelled out. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have a link to Amazon right there. So the easiest way is just to go on my website and you can find the link and go right there. I also wanted to uh, say that... Um, on May the 4th at 5 p.m. Pacific time, I anybody who gets my book on manipulation, it's coming out in April, um, I'm going to hold a question and answer time. Uh, and you get there by going to my website, emotionalmasteryforlife.com forward slash manipulation. Mm -hmm. And you go there and sign up for it. And uh, you can come after you've read the book or, you know, looked at how manipulation works in your life. And we can, we can talk about um, whatever uh, is still puzzling or where you feel uh, ch more challenged. And mm -hmm. uh, that'll be probably an hour and a half, I think I'll do. Okay. Well, some people will be watching this program after that event has occurred. So knowing your website address is very helpful. And if they do see this particular podcast, which we're planning to release around the time that your book comes out, that'll be a great combination. Yes. And I'm so glad. I'm so happy to be talking about this. Uh, I would really like to see the whole world, all of us adults, free of manipulation. You know, we're going through a major time of change now. So why not change to eliminate manipulation and substitute love and caring and honesty instead. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Eileen, for being a guest on Writing to Get Business. Your insights born from your experience and the different ways that you have shared your knowledge through your emotions in motion and the compilation books, and now your book on manipulation that's coming out, as well as those other books that are tucked inside your head that's inspiring for us. Thank you. Thank you very much for giving me this opportunity too, Pat. I appreciate it. You are welcome.
And for you who is watching this program, please be sure to tell other people about this podcast, Writing to Get Business. We share guest authors every week who will inspire you, who will make you stop and think, who will give you a different perspective on how they accomplished their goals of becoming authors and how they used their books within their lives and their businesses to open up new opportunities. Thanks so much. Hi, this is Pat Iyer with Writing to Get Business podcast. I have just finished interviewing Doreen Cumberford, who is a person who can clearly define what it means to be a third culture kid, a term that I learned on this podcast. Doreen has spent most of her adult life being an expatriate and living around the world in multiple countries and cultures. She's written some books that relate to her adventures. Doreen, what are some of the highlights of what we covered in this podcast? Well, in the podcast, we covered the process of moving from um, an anthology to writing an ebook and then to finally writing a memoir and the transition to the next book. And the transition to writing your next book uh, can be interesting and glorious at the same time. And we also covered getting together a launch party, a virtual launch party, and a blog tour, a virtual book tour, tapping into the power of blogs, uh, a topic that we have not covered on the show yet. And you'll be sure to want to pay attention to how Doreen focused on those two tools in marketing her book. COVID derailed her plans to have a camel at her launch party. And plus the camel had inconveniently moved to an adjoining state, although you can get from Colorado to Wyoming by car. I've made that trip um, to attend my friend's wedding anniversary or her wedding ceremony, I should say, in the middle of a snowstorm in February. Doreen has lots of tips and stories to share, and you'll want to be able to hear her podcast. So tune in for next week's show for Doreen Cumberford as she talks about life in the camel lane. Thanks so much. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Check out Pat Iyer's resources for writers at writingtogetbusiness.com. That is W-R-I-T-I-N-G-T-O-G-E-T-B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S dot com. Coaches, consultants, and entrepreneurs work with Pat so they can get more business by writing and sharing their expertise. Check out Pat's resources on writingtogetbusiness.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.